0: in a way sensation in the body are kind of the ground uh, zero it's the place where life unfolds truly you can perceive life you can even have human, human connections in a different way when you're not only thinking about what is happening on being on the mental trance but you are sensing it
1: You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Today on Wisdom for Wellbeing, we are joined by Manuela O'Connell. Manuela is in private practice and teaches at Universidad Laro in Buenos Aires, Argentina. She is specialized in working with adults and couples both individually and in groups using acceptance and commitment therapy, mindfulness, functional analytic psychotherapy, and compassion. She is also trained in a body awareness technique, called Utony, developed by Gerand Alexander, and has been a practitioner of different body techniques for the last 30 years. She is a peer-reviewed ACT trainer for the Association of Contextual Behavioral Science and is actually a fellow. She trains clinicians in South America and has been selected to present workshops related to embodied ACT in the last 10 ACBS World Conferences. For the last five years, she has also been delivering public workshops and is the author of Una Vida Valosa by Penguin Random House, which is a book on ACT Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for the general public in Spanish. Her embodied metaphors were published in the Big Book of ACT Metaphors, and she has collaborated in the book The Heart of ACT by Dr. Robin Walser, who is also her supervisor and mentor. Manuela delivers living with awareness, courage, and love programs and retreats, which are based on FAM, functional analytic psychotherapy, and mindfulness. You can learn more about Manuela's work at manuelaoconnell.com.ar, but first I wanted to introduce you to her here today, where she takes you through some embodied mindfulness practices, as well as describing why it is so important for you to pay attention to the body's experience, both as an individual, as well as in relationships. At the end of this episode, she does take you through a meditation, and you'll be able to find just the meditation soundtrack on the show notes, drcaitlin.com, so that you can use it and listen to it again in future. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Manuela now. Manuela, welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. Thank you so much for being with me here today. And yes, thank you very much for inviting me
0: here. It's uh, so nice to be here from the other part of the world.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. We're so lucky that we're able to connect. You know, we're on Zoom right now and, um, and we're obviously having this conversation in the midst of, I guess, a period of social distancing, social isolation, lockdown in different places. So it's nice that this is, you know, a, a special avenue to be able to connect. <laughs> Yes. And we are appreciating
0: much more connection, even though it's not physical connection, it can be a truly deep connection online.
1: Yes. And, you know, this is something we were just talking about before we hit record too, you know, that you had moved your services to telehealth and both individual and groups, and that there are these opportunities out there for people to seek connection and, you know, to link in with the therapist and make sure that they are are nurturing themselves in what can be a very lonely period or could be a very lonely period.
0: Yes. And thank you for putting this together, this podcast, because I think it's a nice company when you can feel alone or isolated. So thank you.
1: Yes, and I hope all of the listeners, um, while they're sitting here, hopefully, you know, maybe they read a bit about this podcast before and they might have a little object with them, but we'll, we'll explain more about that and the embodied practice that you'll lead them through as we carry on with today's episode. But to get started, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your journey you know the healing that you found through connecting with your body and how you came to study psychology
0: okay thank you uh, it's a little bit awkward to talk about me <laughs> <laughs> but i i am willing to do it because um i think that it's a very profound part on why i got into embodied practices i do have a chronic illness it's a vertigo illness and it's a very um heavy one i could have when i was 18 or 19 a lot of episodes that were quite invalidating for me and i needed to stay home for uh, one month and stay in bed and have medication and those kind of stuff and After struggling a lot with my body and this situation, um, someone advised me to go to an embodied class, and it's a technique that it's not well known. But what happened there that it, it was a mindfulness embodied class is that instead of having a body, I started to learn to be in an embodied way that it's not the same, it's a very subtle shift between having a corp in a way that takes you and you wanna look at in a certain way, where you want that looks in a certain way that to really start learning because I think you need to learn it to learn to inhabit my body. And at those moments I was studying physics And with all the process, that inner process, that having these more intimate conversations with my sensations and my proprioception and learning to be in the world from within, the world of sensations, things have changed for me. And this kind of healing process that I was able to see in me, uh, I wanted to share with other people. So I decided to start studying psychology at that moment. And in the, uh, at the beginning of studying psychology, it was on my mind, on my heart and on my body uh, that I wanted to learn and help people in their suffering from a more uh, grounded and in an embodied way uh, than a more thinking or uh, that kind of way so it was a long curve to find a place in which i could merge all the things
1: that's really incredible. So you moved, you know, through your own health journeys and the real suffering you experienced with the vertigo. That, you know, had you bedridden for a month, that would have been would have been so difficult. And then you yes. found a sort of mindfulness and embodied practice that opened up the doors to your understanding you know I really liked what you said an intimate conversation with sensation that's such a delicious way of describing this relationship you cultivated with your body and it changed your whole trajectory from physics to psychology exactly
0: and it changed who who I am also because I used to be a very brain cerebral person logic and it's not that I'm not anymore like that, but I was able uh, in a way to find that life could go through other uh, nuances that not only that one uh, that I was used to living.
1: And it's interesting because I think our society is very cerebral, very brain-based, aren't we? We are quite, you know, disconnected in a way from our body. You describe, you know, learning about your body and being in your body versus it kind of this experience of having a body. Yes.
0: And, and it's truly different. It, it, it may s- seem like a change of words, but uh, I, I I would invite uh, people that are listening to reflect on that. Are you having a body or are, or are you living through your body?
1: Uh, really, so living through your body, living through your body. and what why is that important? You know What does paying attention to your body's experience teach you or what does it change in your life? <laughs> Well, at, at the beginning, I think that
0: in a way, sensation in the body are kind of the ground uh, zero. It's the place where life unfolds truly. Uh, it's, uh, you can perceive life, you can even have human, human connections in a different way when you're not only thinking about what is happening on being on the mental trance but you are sensing it and there's a lot of different things that happens it helped me to have more stronger and intimate connections with other human beings it also helped me connect with myself from a less verbal or less um Mental, verbal, more complicated relation to a more subtle and uh, direct experiencing of what is happening. And I was able to find that there's a lot of suffering and kind of uh, dirty suffering happening when you're relating to the world, to others, and to yourself. By only mental experiences and turning into more direct experiences, experiencing of yourself, others, and the world. Uh, really, as Buddhism says, help me a little bit to, to liberate from some kind of suffering.
1: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. So the suffering that we experience when we're caught in our heads, trying to relate to ourselves in the world, what is that like? Where do people often get caught there? Well, for example, we tend to, uh, let's go into
0: an interpersonal situation. We can tend to think, this is what is happening. This is you. This is me in this situation. And all the blah, blah talk, we, we pay attention while we're with someone else. And I do work with couples too, not only individual clients. And you can see that in that commentary that it's going in your head and when you're paying attention to that you're less attentive and you're less paying attention with what is real between us and you miss those small cues that may convey other messages that the one that your head is pulling you so you can see that maybe uh, You're telling yourself that someone may be doing something wrong. And when you truly connect to that person, you can see their own suffering, their own vulnerability, and another perspective arises.
1: So when we're caught in our minds, we create stories that are not necessarily always truths with a capital T. And when we yeah, turn exactly. to what's happening in our body, we might actually notice nuances with another person's experience too
0: exactly i, I don't like uh, very much the term true because i think that we never know what it's true but that, i can see that sometimes all these mental arguments and stories we tell ourselves are not useful to connect really
1: that's and- a really nice word useful
0: Yes, and it it makes us turn apart from what we really care and what really matters to us. So that's an interesting question, like hearing only my mind stories. It's helping to connect to what really matters to me in this situation or in this relationship. Can I turn to pay attention to other things? that may help to move more in that direction.
1: And you mentioned that it's this coming together. So I'm curious as to how someone could kind of tune into what really matters to them. What would they maybe start to pay attention to or notice in their body to, to I guess, get that directionality as to how they tune in, how they connect in?
0: And that's an interesting question question because with my clients and with myself, I also found that when amplifying your awareness around what is happening in your body and the sensations that are rising and how is your inner landscape, your sensation landscape, they can start and we all can start discriminating and really knowing, when things make us feel alive, it has a special sensation in our body. You can tell when you, can, when you see someone else that it's inspired, alive, with that special vulnerable quality of enthusiasm that can help you distinguish in the moment what really matters to you. So I usually help clients and, and work on myself to really look for those kind of sensations that can make a very interesting inner compass on what is truly important for you.
1: And listeners, you know, can't see you in this moment, but you lit up when you were describing that, you know, when you describe how there's these certain sensations that we're looking for that, you know, act as an inner compass. You you brightened. I, I gather that this is something that you're just so passionate about and that really lights you up, so to speak. Exactly. And this lighting
0: up metaphor that we're using and lifting up metaphor that I think all the listeners can relate and we can see in other people. It's an embodied experience. You can notice by paying attention to your body and to someone else's body. So it's a much more easier to help other people to connect with that. And it's a nice compass to help each of us to connect to Uh, that could make us move in the direction of what truly matters.
1: How, How could someone who's listening to this right now start to practice this embodiment, start to tune into their bodies? Where would they start? So we can start with simple things.
0: It's like very informally, while you're listening right now, at this moment, just take a few minutes or a few seconds to tune into your body, and inviting how you feel your body without trying to make it better, different. Just sensing what may arises, and this tuning in or checking in the world of sensations can be done periodically in our lives and it helps us to really turn the, our
1: attention there so the turning of our attention to what we're experiencing physically and I actually closed my eyes for a second when you were describing <laughs> that if you're listening to this exactly. while you're Keep your eyes open, but if you are alone right now, listeners might be able to, you know, if they could close their eyes, otherwise keeping your eyes open, I imagine you can still tune into what's happening in your body and that this is something that with practice gets stronger. We can more easily notice what's happening sensationally.
0: Yes. I think that it's more important. The question as a cue to turning our attention there than the answer. Ah. Any sensation, anything that you may find there, it's okay. It's just making a gift as a, present, uh, as a present, as paying attention to your own body sensation and not trying to change anything, just receiving what may be arising, that it's important.
1: Okay, so recep- reception, so receiving what may be arising and noticing that. Exactly. W- what if someone doesn't like what's arising?
0: Can you repeat it, please? Like if, um,
1: <laughs> if a sensation is arising that someone, you know, maybe in a moment of, let's say, you know, talking about the coronavirus, a lot of anxiety might be being experienced right now, and when we tune into our body, we might notice the sensations of anxiety. Could you talk us through an experience like that and how we might be able to manage this? Okay, so
0: this is a very important question, and what I love to do when this happens is to follow an acronym that Tara Brack works a lot that it's called RAIN and it's a very interesting way to work with sensations and sensations that are unpleasant. unpleasant. So if uh, you turn into your body experience and you start feeling your anxiety or your nervous system uh, that it's activated or any other emotion uh, the first step is just to recognize it, and let it that sensation be in there, and kind of work with the nuances that it has. See the texture that you may feel, uh, or the or the how it goes in your body, in which area you can feel it, and. If it's too strong, you can use an image to help you. Like if it were an object, what kind of object that sensation would represent. Or if it could be a climate, what kind of climate that sensation may represent. And with this um, ability to start recognizing the second step, it's, Letting it be, allow it to stay there just as it is. And investigating more what is inside. Because all human beings, when we feel sensations that are unpleasant, we tend to want them to go away. And we we will work that with the exercise that I will guide you through the podcast. But we tend to take them away. Is there something different we can do to learn from that experience and learn to investigate and to be there and to truly listen to what this anxiety is telling me that I need? And maybe what I need is to have a comfortable situation, to take care, to do something concrete. We never know. If we don't take the time to truly listen,
1: that's really beautiful. And I think if listeners have followed along for a few episodes, we did actually introduce the concept of rain previous, which is so, so timely. And I think such a good reminder that there's something that can be learned from an uncomfortable sensation, you know, this idea of recognizing, you know, creating the space for it, and then investigating how, how different, you know, to approach something with a lens of curiosity. Exactly.
0: And this can be done with emotions, but with physical sensations too. And that's, it's truly important because any difficult thought or any difficult emotion has also an embodied experience parallel. So it's a way to work with what is happening, but in the context of our body experience.
1: So The mind and the body are not separate in the sense that an emotion and a thought have a body parallel, something that's happening physically. Ex- exactly. I'm wondering how this maybe... Um, relates to the experience that you have with the couples that you that you work with, because I imagine tuning into what's happening for yourself might allow you to articulate what's going on at a different level than when we're just caught up in those stories in one's head. Would you be able to speak to that a little bit?
0: Well, exactly. And uh, what I have I've found while working with couples that it's very common that they start engaging in a quarrel even inside the consulting room and that starts kind of arising and one says something and the other says something and that makes a kind of a whole experience there and I usually uh, invite them to stop and to feel how it feels to have that quarrel in that moment, and even to do some shift in perspective, like if you were looking at your face to your body posture at this moment, how the others see you, what would you get from there? So in that perspective, are you aware of what you're transmitting? And is that the imprint that you want to give to the other person? And I think that this stopping, reconnecting from a more embodied place and shifting perspectives for the both of them to really connect to what they're transmitting from this embodied presence without getting hooked only in what they are saying, uh, bring more awareness of different things that may be happening.
1: This sounds particularly salient right now in, you know, probably each of us in our respective cultures and communities have noticed people that we maybe see or pass in different situations who understandably are experiencing a lot of stress right now as we all are, but maybe are positioning or, you know, communicating aggression or anger in a way that doesn't, foster connection and maybe results in the persons who might be witnessing that that physical communication, feeling more anxious or more fearful rather than connected through the presence of another person. Mm. And it's
0: interesting to have this perspective that you you have a body imprint in the other, even if you don't touch it. So I can receive your body imprint while we are talking here on Zoom. And, and it's like a dance of uh, body sensations, what you're transmitting me from your body posture, your gestures, and all your embodied presence is changing my inner landscape too. And from there and transmitting you, and there is a kind of a dance that it's happening that sometimes is virtuous, and sometimes it may be destructive. So uh, the awareness of that, and, and it's not that one is good and the other is bad, Is the choosing part that it's important. Is this the kind of dance that you want to do with this person at this moment?
1: That's really an interesting way of putting it, that it's a choice, that it's a conscious decision, what sort of a dance, what sort of a transmission that one will enter into. But I imagine it's only a choice if you have awareness. Exactly. Yes.
0: So that is why passing... And paying attention to the body in other contexts that aren't the difficult ones. It's like going to the gym when you have to run the marathon. You have much more possibilities to be aware in those moments. So practicing what is happening to my my body, tuning in, uh, how I am. Am I right now? How is my inner sensation landscape periodically Uh, helps you be more aware in more difficult situations?
1: There's a whole science underpinning this, isn't there? Because when you were describing this transmission that can be happening, I was thinking of the research that highlights our mirror neurons, the neurons in our brain that respond according to what's happening, you know, emotionally in another person that we pick up on these things.
0: Exactly. So we have that kind of brain research about uh, mirror neurons, but also we have... All the research that I like about Stephen Porch on polybagal theory that I truly recommend to read some stuff. And they do have a research, especially in therapy, but it goes to any relationship, in which where the vagus nervous system can survey if it feels secure or not in a in a relation with other people. So that is happening without us uh, consciousness, conscious noticing that we are feeling if we are uh, uh, safe or not with, with the other person in by seeing gestures and seeing their body presence and that it's regulating my emotional system too. So this happens a lot of research behind that it's very important to know that we do communicate with that. And in another kind of uh, um, psychological theories, if you go to Spitz and to Henry Wallon research that it's all one, but very important, Spitz was uh, seeing that little babies won't survive even if they are fed and if they are living um, uh, in, in a care environment if they don't have human touch.
1: So we need, we so need that connection.
0: We need that human touch. So Henry Wallen from that uh, started studying that we connect to our tone to our with our physical tone and that the mother and the baby, the first way they connect is on the physical tone. If you have a high tone or a low tone and that kind of tone dance, also it's part of our communication as human beings. And you can see that with animals if you have pets
2: too.
1: When you described the tone dance, just for listeners who might not have seen what was a really elegant description of um, what you meant by tone, when you said high tone, I noticed your shoulders were shrugged up and you looked quite tense. And when you said low tone, your tense. shoulders dropped down and you looked more relaxed mm-hmm. and opened. Exactly.
0: And there are very, uh, it's like waves in the water. You can sense that when you see other person, how that tone symphony is happening.
1: So it's paying um, or sensing, I guess it's not even necessarily paying attention because what you describe with the polyvagal theory is that a lot of this is not conscious. It's an unconscious sense Mm
0: -hmm. And we can work to make it more conscious that this is happening.
1: Okay, so we can work to make it more conscious, which means that we'll have a greater repertoire of behaviors, of interactions that we can offer in our different relationships. And we might be able to more consciously decide whether um, the dance we're going to be entering into is you know, virtuous or destructive. And <laughs> and I think this is really quite powerful. Exactly. And not only with
0: relationships, but also we live in relationships not only with other human beings, but a very important relationship that human beings we can have is a relationship to ourselves. So that relationship can also be mediated by our own embodied. Uh, field.
1: Yeah. So I guess then in that sense, like learning to cultivate this relationship with ourself, where, where could we, um, direct maybe the listeners to, to really tuning into themselves and, and explaining why, how this will help them. So in, in
0: that sense, the, what I invite listening to, listeners to is to do more kind of uh, body scans and mindfulness embodied practices to take some time apart, or even yoga or tai chi. Those kind of awareness practices that can help us to connect to our body experience, and uh, and. It's difficult to say words because I would like to invite uh, listeners not to believe to what I can say, experiment and see that this sort of embodied way can really change how you relate to yourself. For example, in a very concrete way, if I can realize that I'm living like this, maybe just by sensing, like this is in this moment, you can't see me, but it's like she, has Her shoulders
1: right up and her fists clenched. She looks very, very tight yeah, and
0: intense. Uh, cl- yes, and, and my clenched mouth, teeth. like a clench, clench teeth, and if I can't notice that and sometimes we don't notice that we are behaving in this moment in this mode and it's a behavior. So if we can notice that we may even tune into that and say what do I need? What is happening to me?
2: Yeah.
0: And it's a it's a way to pay attention and maybe I can discover when I see this kind of uh, embodied behaviors that some, something is happening to me that I wasn't aware of. And by paying attention to your body, you can learn things from yourself that are important for you to make some changes
1: in your life. I love the idea of learning from yourself. What an amazing teacher. Exactly. Yes. Yes, and your body can be
0: a very good guidance to learn from yourself. If I'm like this, maybe I'm in situations or I'm living in modes that are resisting what is happening to myself. Am I fighting all the time? And there are a lot of investigation that could happen around that to learn. Or as we say before, if you feel lighting up and lift up, that can also help you learn from yourself and see, oh, when I contact this embodied experience, I can realize that something truly important is happening to me right now.
1: And that can then act as this compass and orientate, which is something, you know, we were going to talk about how the body can act as a compass, you know, it can guide you down the paths that are important to you. So in order to cultivate and to hone that skill, you've mentioned developing that relationship with yourself, you know, be it body scans, mindfulness, different sorts of embodied practices like yoga or Tai Chi, and then find that compass. So tell me a bit about this compass. Tell me about where the body can lead us and how people can find out what is important in their lives.
0: Uh, So with these sort of attunement practices that we have been talking uh, around all all this time is having this attunement into your sensation field uh, may help you realize what truly is happening behind of you, what it's the commentary of what it's happening. And that can help uh, live more or less connected, not only from the neck up, but also from our more direct experience. Like what is the significance that my direct experience is telling me that it's happening in this moment. And if we aren't in our body, We can't tune into that. Uh, So in that sense, it's a good compass. And from the therapy I work, uh, that it's acceptance and commitment therapy, our compass is what we really value, what is most important for us. And this, sometimes for my clients and for people, when I ask, People, what is important for you, they don't know the answer. Because we are usually more concentrating on managing what is happening than paying attention to what is important to us. And when we try to convey an answer for that, we don't know. So what I usually invite people that I work with is go to your life and see when that lifting up experience that sensation experience arising arises while you are living and then construct your answer of what it's important from for you from that ingredients that's beautiful. the cooking process.
1: Yeah, it's a really beautiful recipe. Um, and this idea yes. that you know you tune into what lifts you what elevates you. I mean in, in this time where there is a lot of difficulty in the world knowing what is important to each of us is going to be so vital and perhaps this is a time where people can use the recipe or sort of bring out a curious science um, like mind and start to investigate what does lift them. Where are these little moments of peace and what is happening for them in their bodies? Where is the lightness to be found?
0: And, it, and it's interesting because it helps us to answer what, the question, what is important for us in step from up, down, from bottom up. Mm -hmm. That it's a whole different experience of answering questions. We tend to answer questions from a more top-down perspective. And from this kind of embodied perspective, we are answering questions and we're living from bottom-up and less top-down processes.
1: And how beautiful that you're able to bring this bottom-up experience into the work you do with acceptance and commitment therapy, that you bring in this mindfulness, this awareness element, rather than it being so cognitively um, focused, which is different than a lot of other therapeutic um, modalities or approaches.
0: Exactly. Yes. And uh, it 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 not for me helps is that it hijacks these verbal traps we get into and makes a beautiful terrain to work, uh, that it's more uh, connected, and I will say a difficult word, with direct contingencies, with was it's really happened moment, and moment to moment that these more direct contingencies are a better uh, guidance for flexible behaviors than the ones that rules that we have
1: ah, and you mentioned flexible behaviors what would what would that be?
0: The choosing part it's an easy way to to convey flexible behaviors. It has a more uh, a more theoretical uh, explanation, but being with what is in the moment. And knowing that uh, you may be thinking something, but connecting with what is more direct, what can you do that moves you towards what is valuable for you? And that's a, that's a flexi- flexible behavior. But if you have more behaviors in your menu, and we're, we work to have a very wide uh, repertoire, then you have more to choose. That could be adequate with the context or the situation that you are into. That works better and it may help help you move toward value ends.
1: That's a beautiful description of where we would all probably ultimately like to go. You know, to em- enhance our menu, our range of options, our choices to enhance this psychological flexibility and to tune in to orientate towards what matters. You were going to perhaps guide the listeners through a metaphor, an embodied metaphor, so that they could understand a little bit more about what you're referring to here about using this bottom-up experience and checking in with one's oneself. Would you mind introducing and, and sharing?
0: Yes. Okay. I would love to. It's something that I'm passionate about. So this putting up from the bottom up, a way of processing what is happening to us, has a lot of research behind that. It's not mine, and there are a lot of resources that we can give the listeners to read uh, off, like metaphors we live in, uh, work from L- Lakoff, and. We are in a world of metaphors, and we use the body as a way, uh, metaphorically, to uh, learn and convey reality. For example, different concepts of as time, uh, we talk about forward and back words in time that it's a physical you're leaning for
1: and leaning back yes <laughs> exactly
0: it. yes and and if you pay attention you can see that we use a lot of uh, embodied metaphors to convey uh, our experiences like God feelings or uh, close to my heart or, or this kind of things so I found out that it's a very way it's a good arena of learning so I de- developed a lot of uh embodied metaphors to promote this psychological flexibility that is to have a, a wider repertoire uh for um different situations and we are going to go through one of them and um, the purpose of this kind of metaphors as the, as the one uh, we are going to look in it and to inhabit in an embodied way, is to see how do we relate usually to experience? And while working on this metaphor and in this target, what can we learn to uh, relate in more flexible ways with similar experiences?
1: Sounds amazing. So this is so Relating the in more
0: flexible ways, yeah with same experience so what we are working is how do we relate with what is happening to us and can we learn a different ways to relate with what is happening to us that may uh, help us live more meaningful lives so without more explanation if listeners and you are willing to we can start like just experiencing the the metaphor. I'm very ready. <laughs> so what I, what I will invite the listeners and you, if you're able to, is to have kind of a small object. I do have a nut uh, uh, in my hand. But... A key, a key can be too, but it has to have a little bit of volume in it. We, you can have a key, a little pebble, a uh, nut, whatever it is possible for you. Keys is a good option <laughs> because we <laughs> always have keys nearby. Very often. So if, <laughs> Very often. So if you're able and to stand up, and I'm standing up at this moment, And uh, and have one shoe without, uh, one feet without a shoe. And leave your little object, your key or your little pebble in the floor. Exactly. So by closing your eyes in this moment, if it's possible for you, And if for some reason you prefer not to close your eyes, you can leave it
2: open with a wide attention. And first, just
0: notice that you're standing up, that maybe it was a different position from the one you were at before
2: while listening to this podcast. and turning into
0: your body landscape letting a little time
2: to connect to the sensations that may arise feeling and perceiving the contact of your feet into the ground And how your ground supports you. And how your whole body accommodates to be in this standing up position. Just noticing what can you feel from your body right now. By the touch of your feet to the ground or to the shoe, if you left a shoe in one of the feet, your knees, your legs, and the rest of your body distinguishing that it's different to think
0: about your body that to feel it
2: from the inside out paying attention to the
0: body landscape to the sensations as they arise. And whenever you feel that you start thinking about a sensation, just notice
2: that and that difference and going back to just sensing. And slowly. Putting one of your foot,
0: the one that doesn't have a shoe, over the object that you have chosen, and this is why it is important that the object has some volume, you will decide how much weight you put on the object just to feel maybe that the object may arise some uncomfortable sensations, but that they are that uncomfortable that
2: you can hurt yourself. And while you're putting your weight there and you decide how much weight you can put by balancing between one foot and the other, and you have decided
0: in which part of your foot you are putting this object just stay there and look how you react to this maybe unpleasant sensation
2: at the beginning maybe you can feel that your body tenses or you that you want to take it out and your body react
0: and maybe you can see your emotional and your mental reactions to
2: to this uncomfortable sensation knowing that whatever arises it's okay
0: and now i'll invite you to turn your attention
2: to the place in contact with the object. And really noticing, what can you feel there? How is that sensation? Is it pungent? Is it big, small? What's the texture of that sensation of your foot in contact with the object? And noticing if you are in war, in some sense, with the object. How could it be to stop the war? and start an intimate conversation with that object letting your body be transformed by the presence of the object letting the object be there and inviting
0: your body, your foot, the part that is in contact with the
2: object, just to soften around and allow the object and the sensation to be paying at particular attention with the sensations that may arise. And by staying there, investigating moment by moment
0: how this conversation of sensation is unfolding,
2: just letting it be, and letting your body adapt to this object as possible for you in this moment
0: also notice what may arises in your emotions
2: and thoughts while you're staying there in contact And now moving your foot, and I would recommend to
0: people that are listening to stay as long as you are able to, to unfold the whole experience, to take the foot from the object and stand in both of your feet now, perceiving and noticing how do you feel the foot that was in
2: contact with the object and all the body in that side? How can you feel the other foot that wasn't in contact with the object and all that side of your body? And if we could think that in life we encounter, as we
0: are doing in the world in this moment, painful and pleasant and uncomfortable situations as this that you experience. What have you learned from this embodied experience? that you could try in the world,
2: in your life? Knowing the first reaction that you had and the other reactions that you tried from your body experience, what could you choose? How could you relate with this kind of pebbles or keys in your life. And gently opening your eyes.
0: <laughs> I'm coming back to the podcast.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. I um I'm sure each listener will have their own experience, but I noticed, you know, I've actually been standing at a stand-up desk the entire time we've been talking, but not noticing at all how I was standing and how interesting it was to suddenly... Be in my body standing, noticing the sensation of my feet in the floor and how I distribute the weight, and you know, where I bend my knees to hold the body's weight, and then adding in for me the sensation of the key underneath, and noticing as you described a little bit of resistance. I noticed that, Mm. and yeah, over time, noticed I was able to soften into it. And you know, even my physical posturing changed. I noticed my hands opened up, so it was a very interesting observation to have dedicated time to stand you know exactly in my body
0: and also sometimes when i do use these metaphors and the unpacking part it's very important is that people could can relate that they the first reaction is resisting but when they let the object be and they start that conversation there's a softer way and the body transform and the tense feeling changes and the tone changes and there's more room for the object and they realize that they can make room to whatever unpleasant situation may happen as they made room for this object it's a possibility that we can all practice And this is a practice for acceptance, for a way of opening to experience and practice being willing with what the experience may uh, offer us.
1: What a beautiful metaphor. And I, you know, I noticed when you were talking us through it, you know, you sort of said, notice what this object might represent in your life, you know, that we do have, as you were describing, these uncomfortable, challenging situations, suffering that comes up in our lives. And this is the practice of creating the space for it, creating the room so that you can then orientate towards those values to the compass to the things that light you up even with a nut or a key under your foot <laughs> exactly
0: exactly because when you when you resist what life offers you it may take all your attention effort and energy in that
1: and you stop cultivating what it's important for you when you resist what life offers you, it takes your time and your energy and you stop cultivating what's important to you. That's such a beautiful note and a really, I think, heartfelt way for us to start to, you know, connect the dots and and let the listeners know how they might be able to get in touch with you, Manuel, and you know, connect <laughs> in a different a different forum. Hmm. I know that, you know, there's a bit of uh, English is not your first language. Oh, no, sorry. You, no, I, I was not asking for an apology. You did a fantastic. I wish I could speak more than one language. Um, but I was just thinking in terms of how listeners could connect with you, you know, what, what avenues are there for people to reach out? Well,
0: thank you. Um, Spanish is my first language, and so English is my Spanish second
2: listeners language. would be <laughs> and
0: if, if you if you, you can look for me on my webpage that it's Manuela O'Connell with double n and double l dot com dot A-R, that it's Argentina, we will put that resource on the podcast that'll be on the show notes for sure. Yes, and then uh, you can contact me there and I will put the script for the metaphor that we have. And also, if you go to the ACBS webpage, that is the Association of Contextual Behavioral Science, from which I am part of, there are a lot of embodied metaphors there that I have created
1: and you can get into there and look for them. Fantastic. We'll put both those links in the show notes and then people can reach out and connect in. And obviously, you know, you you are amazing. Such rich sharing with us today and your ability to convey these experiential concepts with language in a really eloquent manner, I think also needs to be acknowledged. So thank you so much for describing and then letting us practice. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me, and
0: I hope it will be helpful. And I chose this particular metaphor because truly from my heart, we are having such difficult times and uh, really shifting our attention while accepting what life is offering us right now, but turning uh, our attention to what can create meaning for all of us it's truly important for me in this moment thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this resources that i i I dream that may help people especially right now
1: and thank you for saying we you know acknowledging that we are all in this we have um, a shared nut or a shared key that we're all working to accept right now so we can move forward and, and create a meaningful life for each and every one of us. Exactly. Thank you so much. I wish you well, and I am looking forward to connecting soon.
0: Yes. Thank you very much for inviting me. And this is the kind of meaningful work, the one that you are doing that it's helping all of us. So thank you for being here and having me here. (laughs)
1: I very much hope that you found this interview with Manuela as soothing and as nourishing as I did. I found it really, really useful to tune in to what was physically going on for me and to reflect on how this is impacted and impacts in relationship. To learn more about Manuela's work, head to O'Connell. Dot com.ar. Dot There'll of course be a link to Manuela's website and the recording of the beautiful meditation that she offered you at the end on DrKaitlin.com where you'll find the show notes for today's episode. Again, I'm going to ask if you have a moment, please leave a review on iTunes. It is so helpful in regards to expanding our community and spreading the word about this podcast. It does only take a couple minutes, but if you haven't left a review before, it's not totally intuitive. So I've made a how-to video, which you can find on drcaitlin.com. It'll be just above the show notes. Of course, feel free just to flick me an email, hello at drcaitlin.com, and I can send you the details. I do really appreciate your help and support in this, and I am wishing you well until next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect find show notes other episodes and to subscribe while you're at it if you find value in the show we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show wisdom for well-being is not a substitute for professional individualized mental health treatment if you are in crisis please contact 000 your local emergency number if you are outside of australia or attend your
2: local hospital ed